Welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk about the paranormal, as we are, I say, each and every Saturday night now that we're back. But we won't be here next Saturday night because that will be, uh, I'll be uh, coming back from Michigan. And you'll be at a UFO conference. Yep. And I think that, uh, you know, we'll be back for the most part, but there's going to be a few here and there. There'll be a few here and there that we don't... Uh, we don't have a show, and that'll be one of them. And then December 9th is the other one, which is, uh, I'll be at the Emory Estate that night. Very cool place. And that'll be my final event of the year, because then I'm going to just try to get through the holidays as best I can. I hear you. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do a spooky South Coast birthday party this year. I say that every year, and then we never do, but we're actually having, check this out, Monies, and you, you can come to it if you'd like to. But uh, on Tuesday, November 21st, we are going to be at Knuckleheads in okay. New Bedford on the second, you know, the uh, the, the bottom floor there, the basement. Where we they had a party before. Yeah. They have that special little area there. We're going to have our WBSM listener meet and greet. So uh, what happened was on the daytime show, I had all these listeners that were calling in and saying that they wanted to have a get together where they could meet each other. Like they don't care about the WBSM hosts. They're like, yeah, we can see you guys anywhere. Yeah. They wanted to like meet each other and get to know each other. And so I said, well, let me see if I can find a place. And so we got it all secured. So Tuesday, the 21st, 5 PM to 8 PM at the downstairs of knuckleheads in new Bedford. Anybody that listens to this program is welcome to come. I invited Lamone, but I don't think he's going to be able to make it from <laughs> Vegas. Uh, but, we, uh, I'll keep my mouth shut. We will have, uh, all of your favorite callers from the WBSM daytime are going to try to make it. So if some of the spooky South Coast folks want to come too, I mean, a lot of them are the same people, yeah. but there are some folks who only listen to spooky South Coast. Some folks who aren't even awake <laughs> when the rest of our live shows are on, uh, which is fine because sometimes I'm not either. But the um, that, that'll be the 21st. So if you want to come by and take part, that'll be fun. And then uh, let's see, what do we got coming up in the, in, in the new year? Well, it'll be our 18th year once we hit our anniversary. It's our 18th anniversary coming up, January. I always thought it was the 26th, but I think it's the 28th. Okay. I think I, for some reason, I always thought it was the 26th, but I think it was the 28th because uh, the 27th is my friend's birthday. My friend Pat, my best friend growing up. I always thought it was the day before his birthday. I think it's actually the day after, which I discovered last year when I was downloading all the podcasts and putting them up on Spotify, moving them over from our old podcast server. And I was like, huh, hmm. for 17 years, I've been wrong, which is no surprise, but I I would have thought that I would have uh, remembered such an important day. Well, that podcast server for us, we, we got our money's worth out of that. You know what's stupid about it, too, is they told us that we had until, like, a certain date to move everything off because it was going to be shutting down. It still works. Yeah, I believe it. It's still there. I, I don't know if it's still feeding things out. I haven't uploaded new episodes to it because they said not to, but it's still out there. You can, like, I can still access all the shows and download them, so mm -hmm. I didn't have to do that mad dash last year to get them all downloaded. <laughs> but you did. All 600 and something of them. There's one. So people asked last week, because if you read the Spooky South Coast um, podcast list, you know, all the episode numbers. Last week's episode was, was numbered 666. Yeah. And everybody was like, I thought you were going to do something special for that. I thought you were. It's not accurate. 
but I haven't finished renumber. It's like not even close to accurate. Yeah. It's like 40 or 50 episodes off, but I haven't gone in and, uh, fixed all the numbers yet because we're missing one episode and it's an episode that I don't want to be without. I can't remember who it was. It was a very special episode though. I remember that. And it's missing from the, from the archives. I can't download it because the file that's uploaded as a podcast is corrupted, but I'm pretty sure that I have it on a disc in the very back of my storage unit in a giant box full of books and other things. Does it play? No, the file doesn't work. There's nothing there. There's okay. no there's no audio in the file. But uh I believe because we the way that we used to download the shows, we would download them directly onto a disc. Well, save them directly onto a disc and then yeah. so I think I have that episode saved. I may not. <clears throat> it may be lost forever. And that would be unfortunate, but you know, things happen. And when you have, you know, six hundred and something episodes, then if you lose one in the process, meh. But uh, it, it, I remember it being, it was like somebody's first appearance or, you know what it was? It was a Stanton Friedman show. Oh, That's why yeah. I wanted to make sure that we, we got it and we put it up in the archives. I think it's his first time being with us. Yep. So, Although um, he came on many other times after that. Yeah. I'm going to have to dig through that, that storage bin. Somewhere in the back, very back, is a box with all my paranormal books. And in that box is a disc in a in a jewel case, uh, yeah. and it says Spooky South Coast, two thousand six to whatever year it was. And then once I get that uploaded, then I'll go back through and I'll renumerate everything correctly. Um, what about backyard podcasting? That's out there. That's still out there. No, I mean doing another one. I think the uh, I think the authorities would be on to us by this point. <laughs> but the um, the. Taking a look at some of those those numbers and all, all of that kind of stuff, you know that that means we also had a big 500th episode celebration that wasn't our 500th episode. Yeah. So we we uh, we kind of blew it on that one, but we didn't know what happened was is for the longest time we didn't number the episodes. We just put the date of the episode. And then when everybody else started podcasting and it became a big thing, and then we realized everybody's numbering these episodes. Uh, Matt Costa switched to that format when we were uploading them. Yeah. And he said, I'm going to start numbering these. And he just went with what number file it was out of our HipCast server. Yeah. And we had a lot of stuff on HipCast that we just used it as like an audio depository repository for saving things. So like some of our old EVPs that we wanted to save and some, some uh, raw files from when we did the backyard podcast before we like spliced it all together into, you know, so a lot of that stuff was, was uh, up there as separate things. So, but we um, we'll figure it out. And if not, if we never figure it out, oh well. It's kind of fun when people are like, "Hey, I just listened to every episode, and it's not six hundred and sixty-six, and I can say, wow, hmm. how are you not sick of hearing our voices by now?'" <laughs> uh, speaking of hearing our voices, you'll be hearing our guest in just a few minutes. We're going to be joined by Amanda Paulson, who, if you follow her on social media, you know her as pretty f and spooky. And she's going to be talking with us today about ethics in the paranormal. And, of course, we'll find out about her and all of her adventures out there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, but we got an app chat message from Dewey SCPI in a cushionet. He says, hi, wanted to get the people's take on the SLS camera. Does it really work well or can it be manipulated to give false positives? My answer to that is yes. <laughs> it can do both. Yep. So I would say, so for the, those of you who aren't familiar with the SLS camera, 
it is a it's a hacked Xbox Connect camera connected to uh, usually a tablet, and it will because the Xbox Connect camera is built to map human articulation points for when you're playing those motion games on Xbox. The camera can be used to then map human articulation in the room. It's not exact at all, but it works fairly well. So, for example, if you're home playing one of those games and your dog walks in front of your your screen, it doesn't map your dog as being another player in the game. Like it, it, it just looks for human articulation. And so the idea is that if you see something pop up on the screen, it's supposedly mapping human articulation points. And if there's no person in the screen in, in the shot or only one person and another one shows up, then people think that it's maybe a ghost. The problem is, is it gets so many false positives. Like you can just point it down the hall. I, I've, I can actually point it at people and it won't map them. Right. And then you can point it down a hallway and you'll see 10 people, you know, 10 stick figures walking up and down. So I don't go just by that. I go for when there's actual interaction between the stick figures and the people in the room. And then I say, okay, that might be something, but I, I never really put a hundred percent faith in them, but we've had some pretty funny things happen over, over time with those. Uh, some pretty interesting stuff. Uh, Case in point, when we were in Connecticut at um, good old Mr. Samuel Clemens' house, and uh, the little kids. That was the original one. That yeah. was that was the one that um, Bill Chapel made, and, and there was only a couple of them. At one point, the only people that had those were Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures and Jeff Belanger. Belanger, yeah. And so Jeff would bring, and it was a big rig that he had to set up, and we had he could, yeah, no, he'd leave him. it in one room. <laughs> Because it wasn't portable. Now they're all portable. Um, but that was, you know, that was a little bit more trustworthy. And because Bill got those from Microsoft, those were developer cameras. Yeah. The ones that everybody's using now are just the regular, uh, you know, the ones that yeah. people would buy for their for their Xbox system. Yep. So it's not the same. And um, the developer one got a lot less false positives. But, we, you know, like, so Amanda Millette, Spooky New England was with us at the SK Pierce mansion and there was a stick figure and she just <laughs> happens to walk by and, you know, her hand unknowing, unknowing to her hits the butt of what would be the ghost, the stick figure, and it jumps, you know, so that's like a, a pretty good interaction. And then at the uh, Murdoch Whitney house, we got the one on the, in the music room that was playing different musical instruments standing next to the piano and then would speed up and slow down when we had a person play the piano next to them. That was very cool. And that's also where we had the, uh, the ghost in the bathtub. Yeah. That was doing something that, um, I can't talk about on the radio, but you can, you can look it up for yourself. Uh, go to spooky South coasts, YouTube channel and just type in, well, how can I put this self pleasuring ghost, but don't type yeah. in that term, type in the one that starts with an M. And, uh, and you'll be able to see that video for yourself. Very interesting, very funny. And also, whenever I show that to anybody, I won't tell them what's going on in the clip. I'll just show it to them. And everybody watches it, and they know exactly what's happening. So, all right. Well, let's get into our main discussion tonight with our guest. Let's welcome Amanda Paulson to the show. You know her as pretty effing spooky. Good, good evening, Amanda. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. Spooktacular, as we say here. Nice, very nice. Love to hear it. So, how's things out in uh, in your neck of the woods? I know you're you're on the opposite side of the country from us, but how are things going out there this time of year? 
Uh, it's going good. I am very far away from you. I'm about as far as it gets uh, in Washington State. And things are good right now. It's calm weather. I thought I was supposed to see the northern lights from here tonight, but I've yet to see them. We're, we're waiting and seeing. So that's that's what I'm up to tonight. Well, it's early. It's early yet. Yeah. So we've, you know, we I first came across you on social media and you were someone who was going out and very much like uh, my co-host here, Matt Moniz, you're somebody who has been going off having solo independent adventures for quite some time and documenting those and, and sharing those with everybody and kind of learning along the way about the fact that you have some different abilities and you also have some different techniques and than other people use. So I, w I definitely want to get into some of that. And then I also want to talk to you a little bit about like ethics in the paranormal as we were discussing, because it's something that has been a hot topic for the last couple of weeks. But I'm, I'm going to ask you, what is the paranormal scene out there where you are? Is there, are there a lot of people that are into it? Are there a lot of groups or is it more people like yourself who are out there doing this uh, independently? That's a great question. Um, out here on the West Coast, or at least in the Pacific Northwest, um, there are paranormal groups and ghost hunting teams, um, but definitely not as many as uh, the East Coast sees. Um, and there's also just less people up in my uh, corner of the world. And, um, and so there are a lot of people who are doing solo investigating, like myself. The people I know here in Spokane, where I live, um, have formed little teams of their own. Um, so I would say that like my choice to be a solo investigator at this point um, is definitely just my own preference. Not that there wouldn't be people out there that I could join on a team, but I just prefer to do it alone now. But I got my start um, back in 08 on a team. So that's where I um, learned everything that I know today is on a team. But, but out here, there's not quite as many people. And, and as we all know, um, you want to find people that you mesh with perfectly when you're looking at, at having a ghost hunting team or a paranormal investigating team. And right now I just feel the most confident by myself. Well, and, and just because you like to, to do things on your own doesn't mean that you don't work with other people and that you, it's actually more freeing, I think, not to have a team because you can, you can choose, okay, well, tonight this group is going to a place that I'd like to go with them and check it out. And then, you know, another time I'd like to work with these people because I find their approach interesting. And you can actually eliminate a lot of the, uh, the interpersonal politics that come with having a group. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that's definitely just like my own, I, I love just going and doing something, um, which maybe might be to my detriment at times, but, um, but I don't like to wait. I'm not very patient in that way. So it is nice to kind of have um, full autonomy on, you know, investigating and what I'm doing. So nice. you, you said that you started in, in 2008, and certainly the landscape of the paranormal world was a lot different back then, and just the, the different techniques and things like that. When you came into it in 2008, what was your approach? What did, what did you look at paranormal investigation as? I love this question. Um, in 2008, you know, ghost hunters and ghost adventures as paranormal media ruled the landscape, and so... Um, I, I joined a team in Montana, which is where I'm from, and my team was definitely inspired by early, early ghost hunters, very, quote, scientific methods, kind of wanting to find this irrefutable um, evidence on our equipment, and that was, we were very equipment heavy, so that's kind of the approach that we took back then, um, and 
I myself, I was definitely inspired by what was on TV at the time. Oh, Paranormal State is one as well. Uh, and I don't like to hide the fact that I was influenced by those TV shows because I think a lot of people can relate to that. And in 2008, um, the Internet certainly didn't look like it does today. Uh, social media just looks like it does today. So, um, so, yeah, I was largely taking, like, the scientific approach to investigating back then. And, you know, you find, I would, I would assume that if you're a good investigator, the, the, and, and I'm assuming that you are, so you, you go through this and you realize, okay, what I thought going into this is going to change. And you have to be open to that. You have to be fluid in what your thought process is. Uh, certainly, you know, your ethics and your, your mindset about it doesn't have to change. But you can realize that there are different ways and different things that you can try. And sometimes you have to. Sometimes you have to adapt, even on a haunt-by-haunt basis, because one thing that works in one place might not work in another. Did you find that in in with that small kind of pool of things to lean on, were you finding that people that were investigating were kind of stuck in following what they saw on just those few bits of paranormal media? Because back then, paranormal social media and the paranormal internet wasn't like it was now either. So you did, it wasn't like there was a lot of other resources to go out there to get information. Yeah, I, that's a really good question. Um, the people that I was investigating with back then... I, I'm not sure. I don't want to say for certain that they were stuck in their ways because I don't know that we were really getting in as much philosophical discussion back then. Um, and I really, I wish I could go back in time and have deeper conversations with them about um, how our thought processes were changing with each investigation. Um, but I definitely didn't come into a more um, like confident sort of like who I am today has definitely been shaped more within the last like I don't know, half a decade, decade. Like, I, I didn't always feel confident in speaking about how I was adapting to uh, the way that I was perceiving paranormal phenomena and that my the approaches, I wanted to change my approach and I wanted to change, like, I, I just have always been very open and very okay with um, changing my mind and being willing to be proven wrong or be willing to kind of um, go with the flow as far as the paranormal goes. Um, and so there wasn't a lot of that happening in 2008, I'd say, to put it short, I guess. But um, but since, like, I don't know, say almost a decade ago um, is when I started really finding more confidence in being able to talk about the fact that, like, I don't take as scientific as an approach as I did in 2008 and that that's okay and that, um, and that adaptability is a very, very good thing. How, how would you describe your approach, though, these days? Because I see, you know, you, you seem to be someone who is open to trying a lot of different techniques and you you found some that work and that you go back to, but you're always willing to experiment. How would you describe the way that you look at paranormal research in, in 2023? I would, to use this word again, I would definitely say more philosophical. Um, I approach my investigations or my research or just my search in general in the other uh, as like a philosophical discussion on what it means for how I live my life and how I perceive life and death and you know all of those big big questions that every one of us has um, I operate from a place of wanting to kind of come to a better understanding of the purpose here and so then also I would probably describe my investigative style now to be more intuitive um, more feeling space. So 
I'm paying attention to my emotions, my feelings, and if I feel like I need to grab more pieces of equipment because that seems to be what's working for the investigation, then great. If I just sit in a room quiet by myself and go into my own head for the night, then that's good too. Um, I'm just trying to kind of follow my own intuition these days instead of following what I once knew to be like the rules of, of a ghost hunt. So you're saying you're using more of an adaptive approach. Yes. Yeah, that's what science is all about. The <laughs> the the problem is that you know not enough people are willing to. I guess we're still at the point where people look at this and say you you know you have to, to kind of take the subjectivity out of this and look at things objectively. And I don't know that you can. I think the human element is a big part of this. And certainly in in the experiments that I've seen you try and the research that I've seen you do, the human element is a big part of it. That, you know, as you say, the feelings, the emotions that you feel are just as important as any of the data that you're collecting. And you keep it as all part of the same, you know, data set on an investigation that that that, that matters. The way that it makes you feel matters just as much as if you hear something or capture something on film. Absolutely. You know, this is a conversation that, uh, funny enough, has been brought up a lot in the last like six months. There must be something to it because I've been talking to a lot of friends about um, this human element of the paranormal and about the idea that you know all of our perceived reality is uh, only ourselves will know our own perceived reality. Like we don't actually know how other people are perceiving their reality around them, and so uh, when it comes to the paranormal, it's hard to say that the way that I see or feel or um, perceive a ghost is the only way because I don't know. It's kind of like it makes me think of that quote from Harry Potter. This is so dorky, but uh, I think about that quote a lot of like um, just because it's happening in your head doesn't mean that it's not real kind of thing. And uh, and I feel like that comes to mind a lot when I talk about this like human element of the paranormal. But I think that um, paying attention to our humanity within. Um, within our discussions about paranormal phenomena is imperative to furthering our own understanding of it all. And I, I believe, I, I feel confident in thinking that all of us are just trying to understand it more. Maybe some of us are trying to control it in some way or something, but, but most of all, I think we're all just kind of trying to understand uh, what it means to live and die uh, more fully, you know? So, so all that to say, that long-winded uh, response, all that to say, um, the human element is the most important part of the paranormal. Well, I always looked at it this way. The paranormal is always an experience. That's when a person is there. Paranormal things happen when things aren't, when people aren't there, but it only becomes a paranormal experience when you have an observer. If you, yeah. if you get where I'm going. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, we've, I mean, Moniz and I have gotten into discussions about this before where, you know, I, I, home, I hold firm to the idea that the paranormal doesn't happen, ghost, ghostly activity, we'll say, doesn't happen unless there's going to be a human being to perceive it. Because what's the point of expen expounding that energy if there isn't something that's going to be on the receiving end? So people say, oh, well, what about security cameras where they capture something and there's nobody around? Yeah, but you watched it eventually. Yeah. Like there has to be that human receptor for it to, well, to, it, to make it It's that old, uh, if a tree falls in the woods and there's nobody hit, there to that. hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you're, I was just thinking that. Yeah, yep, exactly. There's a lot of woods out where you are with a lot of big trees, so you'll have to just uh, go out there and, and run that experiment and let us know. So. <laughs> the impossible experiment, yes. <laughs> Yay, Heisenberg. 
So, do you find say my name? No, sorry, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Part. Yeah, couldn't resist. So, <laughs> do you find that when you are, um, you know, opening yourself up to that? Because I know that you, you know, you, we, I've seen you discuss and and uh, and share that you you have discovered that you have abilities and that you utilize those too. But did you find that as you opened yourself up to having a more humanistic side of this, a more humanistic approach to this, that you've had more things that have happened to you? Or was it more of a, was it almost like starting all over again and kind of learning to readjust to the paranormal? Hmm. Um, I would say, like, I've described it more recently as kind of like a trust fall into, into the paranormal. I guess the paranormal is a big T, like that, everything. Um, and like, so I guess I just kind of like fell into it more deeply and it did open myself up to a lot more experience. Um, I, in all of my years, ghost hunting. So I started ghost hunting, real short story, started ghost hunting because I was experiencing ghosts when I was a kid, um, kind of typical origin story there. Um, but then later on in life, in my adulthood, I stopped experiencing it as much. I would experience a lot, um, a lot of sleep paralysis, a lot of weird stuff um, at night or uh, when I was more vulnerable. But overall, the experiences started to kind of flow as I became an adult. And I started um, like sort of pondering, you know, was this stuff really happening in the first place? Why isn't it happening now? What did I do wrong? Like, am I closing it off? And I had some psychics tell me that I had like horse blinders on in a way that I just wasn't really open and receptive to it. And this was as early as, as recent as like 2019, 2020. And I was like, and I had my, my blog pretty up and spooky at the time. So I was like, are you kidding me? Like, what could I possibly be doing wrong? I'm as open to it as I could be. Um, but there was still an element of it that I just hadn't, I, there, there was like a hesitancy to fall into it entirely. And when I started allowing myself to kind of tell people, hey, I, I have exercised these abilities. Um, I have worked very hard to um, find my own personalized way to communicate with the other side, and it's working. And as I started trusting people in the community in my in my spaces with this information, I started speaking about it more confidently, then, then the experiences started coming, uh, it's flowing in more easily. And, and I just kind of my eyes opened a little wider to it. So, um, and as far as why that is, I have no clue. I don't know if it's, if it's some big man on the other side that's like, oh, you get this now, or like, or if there's some kind of like riding the wave of the cosmic flow of things, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, once I kind of let myself uh, accept it more or see more, then I saw more. Well, as somebody who's been doing it for, for 15 years, you, you've seen this happen, that you know that when people come into this and they're doing things one way and then suddenly they start to realize that they have abilities and, you know, it's it's almost like you, and and I don't want to be clear, I'm not saying this about you, but you, you just start to roll your eyes and you say, okay, here it comes. Like any day now, they're going to be offering to give me readings for, you know, $300. <laughs> and then sure enough, yeah, that's what ends up happening. But you, that's not the way that you have done this. You have used this as, utilized this as something to just assist you in the way that you investigate and to make you, as you said, have that closer connection to the other side. For you, it's not about, um, you know, it's not a money-making thing. It's not a, it's not a, a way that you identify yourself. It's how you 
approach things as opposed to what you have become, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's a really great way to put it. And, you know, that kind of succinctly puts, uh, it puts together, like, my hesitancy to, like, call myself a medium because I've been saying lately that it's such a loaded term and there is this kind of, like, eye roll moment that happens when you kind of go from, par- it's like the paranormal investigator to medium pipeline and it's, like, it's more nuanced than that. I was just, like you said, trying to find a closer connection and I was trying to find what worked for me and... Um, there definitely was a level of vulnerability that came with having to come out and say, hey, I'm going to do this my way or like I'm going to do this a new way that works for me. It is leaning on the mediumship side. Um, Take it for what you will. But like the experiences that I've had have just been so much more validating as far as like in my belief in the paranormal um, that it's just undeniable that it's the direction I need to take. And hopefully one day I can like articulate um, what I do better i hope to find one day like a, a, a name for what i do or like uh i'm always searching for like a way to better describe myself or what i'm doing but it'll come with time well and if you already had a following when you were you know kind of making this this transition and so what was the people who were already following you and, and following along with your adventures what was the take that you got from them when you started to make this transition? Was was there hesitancy on their part? Did Were there people who thought that you were just, you know, trying to add some dramatic effect into what it is that you were doing? How, how did your your your, um, your viewers, your followers, however you want to put it, how did they approach your change in approach? I've been really, really grateful um, in that my follower, my existing followers were very trusting and accepting of what I was doing. Um, some of them I can tell, um, you know, interact more with certain content than other content and that's totally fine, but they're still, they're still there. And, um, overall, I think I would like to, you know, take pride in the fact that like I created a lot of trust with them since I never in my internet presence, I've never, um, faked anything or I've never like over dramatized anything to the point where people would like, be hesitant to believe me. So luckily a lot of them just felt like it was a natural progression and, and had been watching it for some time, um, slowly kind of start. So, so yeah, they've been really awesome about it. I, I have lost, you know, some like really traditional ghost hunting friends along the way. Uh, but it was never, never any animosity, more of a just like, Oh, this isn't the content I consume anymore. And that is totally fine to me. Oh, I think I might have a name for your, your, Procedure. Yes, I would love to hear it. Adaptive anomaly analytics. Triple A. Ooh. We're, we're, we're big fans of alliteration here at Spooky South well, Coast. You're adapting to anomalies in, in using analytic techniques of many oh, different types. I'm making I'm making note of this because my name is also Amanda. So oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Quadruple A. Yeah. <laughs> You might want to go with the like quadruple A just to avoid any losses yeah. from the, uh, <laughs> yeah, for or for people to expect you to give them a discount on tickets to, to you know, Six Flags yeah. or something. I like that a lot. You know, I really love the word adaptive. I Adapting is something I've been thinking a lot about lately. Um, anomaly is not used enough, I think, in, in the well, paranormal. I love Well, I that's love what that the term. paranormal is, just an anomalies in everyday things. Yes. Exactly. Correct. I love that. That's all that is. Yes. And you're yeah. using various forms of analytics to look at it. 
Absolutely. Well, and that's you're welcome. That's the big um, that, that's the big thing that I think people get concerned about is that especially when they're looking for for content creators that that put this stuff out, and they're looking for something that's that's big. They they're looking for a profound experience, and it it to me, if you have a handful of profound experiences, that's not really as indicative as the same thing as having a number of repeated anomalous experiences. You know, it doesn't have to be over the top. You know, I got thrown against the wall, but just having something touch you 50 times to me is more impressive than having something throw me against the wall one time. I've had all of yeah. the above. Right. <laughs> so, just at yeah. the Lizzie Borden house, we've had that. Yeah. yeah. But but that's yeah. the, that's the thing is that you know you're you're looking for something that is repeatable. That's you know that's the idea behind you know, the scientific approach yeah. <laughs> is you want it to be repeatable. But you know you you when you have I've seen in some of your experiences, you know you have no problem um, saying okay, I, you know nothing's really going on tonight or it's just this low level stuff tonight. But that that's okay. That that still counts. That's still something. Even just being there and having nothing happen is still data to collect toward toward the research. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I'm very, um, yeah, I'm so grateful for the people who uh, who choose to follow me on social media because, yes, I've, I've always been um, very honest. Sometimes, as far as social media and content creation goes, honest to my detriment, but I'm okay with that because it's following my own moral compass, you know. You know, I, and, and I know that you're pretty effing spooky, but sometimes in my head I refer to you as, you know, I don't give an effing spooky because, like, you really don't. It doesn't matter to you if people um, criticize you or, you know, you you've always taken an approach of saying, well, okay, I get it. Maybe this maybe this one wasn't for you. Like, you don't get over over. Um, so. You know, you don't get upset about the way that people might interact with you, and you seem you seem to understand where they're coming from when they do have a complaint. Yeah, yeah, I try. Um, I, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't always used to have as um, thick of skin, uh, but I just, I just empathize with people, and I just get it. <laughs> like I'm like, it's okay. Like you said, people are looking for profound experiences. People are looking for a lot in the paranormal uh, community, and um, and whether or not we all agree with each other on what we're looking for and how we're looking for it. Um, the humanity behind that search is just so, I just empathize with it so much that um, that if somebody, you know, wants to, if somebody has something bad to say to me about the way that I'm looking for the paranormal, that's okay. They need to go find something else that, that fills their cup, so to speak. So um, it just took a lot of time to like, I don't know, again, back to the understanding the human element of it and, and kind of trying to show people grace uh, and hoping that they show me the same. That's because everybody's looking for their own validation for life. Why am I here? What am I doing? And by ghost hunting, you're just looking to say, okay, I know there's something now beyond. And when you validate this to yourself by having the experience, it's helping you understand that, hey, this is happening here, so there. I have faith that there's something mm -hmm. beyond. You know what's funny though? What is of all the experiences that I've had? Like I still don't. I don't feel like there's anything beyond this. I still think uh, at some point I'm just going to close my eyes and be done, and that's it. Like I don't. I don't know that I think that what we're experiencing is something that is beyond this. I think it's kind of parallel with this, just in a different way. 
but that's you. I'm saying I know most I'm, I'm, people. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying like it's it's funny how I you know the thought popped into my head as you were saying it like huh I really haven't had my belief in an afterlife changed at all by all the things that I've seen that are a supposed afterlife. The, the thing is though, you are still on the search. You have had some very unique and eye-opening experiences. I know I've been there with you when you've had them. Okay. You can't sell, can't sell me on the thing that you don't think that there might not be something more to that. You know for yourself. Oh, there's something to it. I just yeah. don't think that it's a another form of us that exists after we die. Okay. But you, uh, but you have stepped a lot further than where you were before you really started looking. Otherwise, you wouldn't have continued looking. Eh. Yeah, we'll see. Catch <laughs> me after a few there's beers. There's something that keeps you coming back to do it. <laughs> well, catch me after a few beers. Well, okay. we can get more philosophical about it. But oh, backyard podcast. Here we come. <laughs> yeah. So that's 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 the most famous episode we've ever done, Amanda. Where one time we said uh, instead of having a guest and being in the studio, well, actually we couldn't be in the studio because we used to have the the baseball games from the Red Sox on. And so we said, you know what? Let's just go record a show in my backyard. We'll grill up some burgers. We'll have some drinks. And it turned into like the most, it was basically just Very a big deep. therapy session yeah. where we all just kind of, and we were, you know, drunk. Hammered. Yeah. But we just kind of went into the grill. Whole, caught on fire, almost caught the shed on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, shenanigans. That's good. Good for you guys. That's, that sounds very healing. I feel like all of us should have some moments like that. We get too caught up in in all of the, the within the paranormal and with all of this stuff. Uh, it's good to get drunk and get really philosophical about it. Because <laughs> we're all like, we're all like, okay, so here we are. We found proof of something supernatural. And then it's like, now what? Now we got to talk about what the heck we're going to do with that and that knowledge and how we're going to process it. Right. It's um, like the dog that yeah. finally caught the car. Now what do I do? Exactly. Yes. Well, we're going to be taking a break here in a few moments for the news. Uh, we, we'll take about a 15-minute break because we have the news, and then we run all the commercials so that we can have an uninterrupted conversation. Um, so when we come back from that, I definitely want to dive into the idea of some of the ethics involved in this. And as part of that, I want to talk about you know being a content creator and having a social media presence because that is something that has you know changed the way that the paranormal is, and it's changed the way that people consume it. And it's been something that has been uh, in the forefront of people's discussions over the last couple of weeks. But, you know, you said, Amanda, that when you are doing this, you are just chronicling what it is that you do and that you're not trying to, like, win anybody over with it. But I'm sure you've heard from people who have said that seeing the way that you do things has changed their mind about things. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and do you, do you I mean, I, I guess, you know, that's not why you do it. You're, you're trying to, to find your own answers, but that's still going to feel pretty good to know that you have, you know, opened someone else's eyes that, that might might not have been as open to it before. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it does feel good to, to know that somebody, it, won't, for, it feels good to be heard and to know that somebody values what I'm saying and it took it to heart. Um, and then even more so to open their eyes up to um, something as grand as believing in ghosts is, is magnificent and it and it has happened but it doesn't happen as often as you as some might think it does um but yeah it feel it feels great to to be able to i don't know provide some um unique insight for people and, and to know that they listen feels really good 
I used to always think like at the beginning of doing this show, you know, almost 18 years ago that I thought, you know, uh, I'm going to be the person that's going to prove to the world that ghosts are real. <laughs> and then I realized, first of all, that'll never happen. And secondly, that doesn't matter. Like to me, it's more, it's better to bring somebody out there and have them have their first experience and see the look on their face as they have this huge yeah. paradigm shift in their life and then be able to kind of work with them one-on-one to, 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 to find out what they think about it. and, and, and The why lawyer it at the Houghton Mansion, I always go back to that guy. Yeah. <laughs> this, this guy was every, he had the suede elbow patches, the tweed jacket, everything. The whole nine yards showed up saying, I'm not a believer in any of this. I'm just here with my wife. And by the time he left, he was a believer when that, ball, what was it, the ball that moved yeah. in the basement. And wow. yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. He, he left a true there believer. There were several other things that happened throughout the night. And he's just getting the, the words what the F just kept coming out of his mouth. No, that's and that's 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 a legal definition of what it was. Yeah. All right, we got to take a yeah. break for the news. When we come back, we will talk more with Amanda Paulson. Pretty effing spooky. If you want to call in, 508-996-0500. You are listening to Spooky South Coast with Tim Muniz and my mom. South Coast here, Tim Weisberg, along with science advisor Matt Moniz, and our guest tonight is Amanda Paulson. Pretty effing spooky. We're going to get right back into the conversation with her in a moment, but I want to let everybody know, first of all, that if you want to call in and speak with Amanda, any questions for her during the discussion, 508-996-0500 is the number. You can also send in messages via app chat on the WBSM app. So if you are listening from elsewhere, you know, we have a, a worldwide audience for this program. The best way to listen is always through the WBSM app because you get us in crystal clear FM quality sound no matter where you are. And you can use that app chat button to send in messages. So you don't even have to call in. You can just text us here in the studio. You can also record a voicemail on the WBSM app and leave that for us to play on the show. So if you uh, have a thought or a question or anything you want to bring up during the course of the week, you can record that, send it in, and then when we uh, when we come in on Saturday night, we can play it. So a lot of ways to get involved in the conversation here on the program. If you are new to the show, if this is the first time that you've ever heard it, we have, well, right now, at least according to the way that it's uh, written out on Spotify and all the other places you find your podcasts, 666 episodes for you to catch up on first. Uh, but we have... Um, you know, some, some numeration issues with that. Not really that many, but still over 600. So you've got a lot to catch up on. Uh, but uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, everywhere. Uh, this show has been around since 2006. So all those podcast services feed them. Even, even our competitor, our biggest radio competitor, has the Spooky South Coast podcast on their podcasting site. I don't think they realize it. 
Seriously. But they do. No, not serious. No. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't have us yet. But, uh, you know, if, if they're interested, we can, we can talk. Um, and just speaking of radio, tomorrow I'm going to be a guest on Dead Air, which is, of course, uh, hosted by our friend Ken DaCosta and George Lopez. And uh, they're going to be talking inside Amityville tomorrow night. It is the eve of the Amityville murders anniversary tomorrow. So uh, I'll be on the program as a guest, along with Steve DeShavi, who you know from The Dead Files. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, the true crime aspect of it. We're going to be talking about the paranormal aspect of it. We'll talk about is Amityville a hoax, all of that stuff tomorrow night on Dead Air, which is uh, going to air at 8 p.m. And uh, you can just click on the link on uh, my Facebook page to be able to check out that. And then also on Monday night, I'm going to be a guest on uh, Talking Tech Paranormal with... Uh, my friends Keith Bailey and Kelly Miller, that'll be Monday night. Hold on, let me give you the time. I believe that's 7 o'clock, but I don't want to lead you astray. Uh-uh-uh. Hold on. You would have thought I would have had this already. I, I'm i sorry. It's 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central time. So uh, 8 p.m. tomorrow night and Monday night, you'll be able to hear me, and it's all on my, on my Facebook page. So talking ghosts, talking about paranormal things. Now that I'm not out every night, I still want to talk about ghosts, so I'll just do it on, on podcasts and radio shows. All right, let's get back into the discussion tonight, talking about ghosts and other things with Amanda Paulson, and let's bring her back on. Are you still with us, Amanda, there? Sorry. I, I am. Hello. Hello. Sorry, sorry to do this shameless self-promotion portion of the program while you're sitting there on hold, but... <laughs> That's okay. I loved it. You did great. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so we were we were talking before about your uh, your kind of step into the social media realm how did it come about that you started you know becoming a content creator which you know I, again i don't think that you know you are somebody who looked at that as hey i'm going to go out there and make these videos it was just you kind of chronicling what it was that you were doing but at some point you kind of make that shift and become a content creator in addition to an investigator whether whether you meant to or not mm -hmm. yeah um i i started my blog um, I call it my blog, it's like everything, Instagram, whatever, and I also have a website. But I started Pretty Up and Spooky in the beginning of 2019. And it was because I, the previous year, my grandpa had passed. And my grandpa, uh, I was raised by my grandparents, so it was pretty um, influential for me, uh, that grief. And, um, and it kind of catapulted me back into some paranormal experiences, some... Um, for thinking about that and I realized that I really wanted to kind of like come out in, with my belief in the paranormal to like a larger audience or like even to my friends and whoever I thought would listen I just wanted to like be open about it and be like let's talk about this so I uh, my initial plan for social media was to just share things I found spooky which at the time was very aesthetic based it was like look at this spooky doll at Goodwill or um know look at the cemetery amount or whatever it was just kind of um sharing things i found spooky and i kind of wanted to sort of create a community that also liked spooky things um and from there uh you're very right it just started chronicling um my journey further into uh paranormal investigating as a solo investigator and then and then so on and so forth so it just kind of like snowballed into what it is today um and I'm very grateful for that. But yeah, it just started out of like a way, honestly, looking back now, I think it really was just this coping mechanism for grief. 
<laughs> but um, but that's okay, and, and it's no longer that. But um, but yeah, that's how it started. One one thing that I noticed is that you know you are a lot in a lot of these videos, and a lot of the times that you go live, you are alone uh, in these places, and. I, I've often wondered if having the folks that are there watching you as this is going on, you know, makes you feel less alone in the process. Do you do you feel like you have people there with you when you are alone in a haunted place with just the people on the other side of the screen? Yeah, 1,000%. Um, and actually, I've noticed myself doing that even with, like, fear. Um, I'll go live, and it helps lessen the fear because it feels like there's people there. So, um, so... My so like my social media um, audience has kind of become my companion in a way on these paranormal investigations, and so um, so I guess with that said, I'm never really truly alone. I always have people there who, um, when I'm on like the bigger investigations, there's always people there um, in my followers, or my viewers, which is which is really nice. Um, uh, but yeah, I am typically going alone uh, to these locations, and I can't always go live though because there is like a logistic um, part of it that is like the fact that I am alone, <laughs> and I don't want people to necessarily know exactly where I am when I'm uh, alone. But yeah. Well, and the other side of it too is you know they they can't chip in on the driving, <laughs> so you're you're still on <laughs> your own for that part of it anyway. Uh, well. Yeah. And when you go to some of these these places, like you've often gone to these kind of out of the way places, places that I've I've never heard of that people might not be familiar with. So you've you've actually helped shine a spotlight on a lot of places that, you know, the haunted reputation of these locations might not be as well known as some of the, the bigger other places. And you you know, you talked to me about this before, about that there really are a lot of places out in your area where there are supposed hauntings, but that they just don't get they don't get the headlines like other places do. Yep, that's exactly it. And uh, and my ability to like share new places with people online is all thanks to my region because um, because there's just a lot of places with a lot of potential that a lot of people don't know about yet. And um, and I think people on the East Coast don't uh, necessarily have that privilege of kind of discovering new places. But then it can be a little bit frustrating sometimes because. Um, my area in particular, like in eastern Washington, and I'm pretty close to Idaho as well, um, is not as open to leaning into uh, the paranormal side of, of businesses or museums or what have you. So, um, so it can be difficult. It often looks like me visiting a location under the pretense that I'm just visiting and then doing paranormal investigating uh as a secondary thing. So sometimes I have to do that. Um, but I have done a lot of work uh, specifically with a museum here in town called the Campbell house. Um, used to completely reject its paranormal claims and it is on numerous websites about being one of the most haunted places in Washington state. And, um, I had been a docent there for like decades and I finally got them to, uh, do a, a dark history tour series, which then kind of, we got to lean into spiritualism and the, the time period, and um, that has opened them up more to, uh, to some possibilities with the paranormal. So that's been really great. But, yeah, there's not, like, a whole lot of places over here that have been, um, I, I don't want to say commodified because that sounds like a negative connotation, but there's not a lot of places here who that are, like, famous haunted locations. There's St. Ignatius Hospital, which is, like, an hour away, and that's about it. 
that's close to me that isn't like in Seattle. Well, one thing that I've noticed out here in New England is that since, you know, and we, you would think that we, because we have so many haunted places that they would be more open to it. But we, we had a lot of doors that were closed on us in the past. But one thing I've noticed is that since the pandemic and since, you know, tourism was down and there was a couple of years where, uh, at least in this state, they weren't even able to open until we had what we called phase four. So it was almost a two-year process for them to all reopen again. So a lot of them have actually come forward and embrace the paranormal as a way to kind of recoup some of that that fundraising revenue that was lost. So they've become more open to it. And, you know, on the surface, that's the reason. Because, all right, we lost revenue. We need to make up for that money. Sure, we'll try this. I do think that part of it is also that when they these places were closed for three years and the only people that were in there were the docents and the volunteers, they realized, oh, holy crap, this place is haunted. Yeah. <laughs> so I do find that we've had some doors that have opened up um, over the last year or so that might have been closed previously. So maybe maybe that will start to happen with some of those locations out there. That's very true. That's such a great point because honestly, that was what helped me get my um, dark history tour that I created approved. I, I pitched that in the end of 2020 and, uh, and who's going to say no to, to helping bring more people in once we reopened. Um, but then yes, also that, <laughs> that element of like sitting around in a place alone for long enough to be like, maybe there is something to this. Uh, hopefully more places will, um, will come out and like be open to that. And that, that's also kind of a driving force for me to continue online too is, um, whether people agree with it or not. I mean, there is a certain level of, I don't want to say credibility, but like um, professionality that comes with like maintaining a large follower base. So I can go to these businesses and say, I'd love to facilitate this experience for the community. The community is asking for, you know, us to lean into the paranormal. Please allow me to, to help you do this. Here is my, you know, here's what's backing me. Here's my foundation. And here's what proves that I can do this for you. So like, that's like, it's, the driving force to like staying online is definitely to help my community and, and bring more um, haunted locations out into the open. And I also think too, that as these places are willing to, try that out and willing to to let that be a possible revenue source or even just to have their own questions answered, you're going to find that the spirits that are in those places are going to become more interactive because they've been waiting to talk to somebody too. And someone like yourself comes in and starts interacting with them and then they've got a reason to want to make themselves known even more. So, uh, you know, just opening that door a little bit, you can put your foot into it or they can put their foot into it and eventually that door is going to get blown wide open. Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. I would love to have that opportunity to like help open, help blow those doors open more. So, how do you, you know, go about deciding where you where you're going to go and, and what places that you want to check out? Is this a lot of, you know, as you said, you hear about a place, you reach out, or, or do you actually have places that will reach out to you and say, we think that there might be something going on in here if you want to come and check it out? I have had places that reach out to me and I, and something I, somebody just asked me this recently and I realized I hadn't touched on it in a long time, but I do do residential cases around here as well. Just, I don't share them online very often and I don't do them too frequently uh, cause I have, I have to vet it and have to make sure that it, it's a good fit. Um, so I do have people who ask me to come investigate, but full transparency, I am paying like top dollar to go to locations that I want to go to, whether it's a hotel or um, where I don't know, campground, park, whatever, like wherever I need to go, 
um, that I know has a haunted history or maybe I suspect would have a haunted history. I'm just going out and taking the time off work and spending money, <laughs> to be honest. And I, I love I love what I do, and so, uh, so I, I do whatever I can to do it, you know? It's uh, it's certainly not cheap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. I just I just had to book a hotel room, uh, going to Detroit for the Eloise Asylum, uh, this coming week. And if anybody wants to join us, reach out to me and uh, Tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. I'll send you the link because we still have some tickets available. But just getting that room, I was like, wow, people actually go out and pay all kinds of money to go around and travel and do this all the time. And I I do it a couple times a year, and I'm like, how do how do people afford this? But you know, it's if it's what you love and it's what you want to do, and you know you've got the time and you've got the little bit of extra money, it's a it's a great way to it's a great way to see the world is through the the lens of a haunted place. Absolutely, I totally agree. So let's let's get into now. You know, we talked about you being out there on social media as a person who is doing this, and and there are slings and arrows that will come with that. There are going to be people that will disagree with you. There are going to be people who will attack you, and for no reason you know and 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 sometimes people um let's just say that when you're anonymous and you don't have to stand you know you don't have to face the person that you say things about it makes it a lot easier for people to to be very bold in in, in their approach and i saw recently you know you had dealt with some of that and i thought that you handled it very well but that is something that you've had to deal with is people that will come at you for for some of this keyboard crusaders yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, it comes with the territory. Um, it doesn't, it's not too bad for me, honestly. Um, but it's kind of this like level of when it happens, I expect it because I put out, I say I'll put out a piece of content, like I'll put out a video. I, and I know like it could get some, I might leave it like open ended, uh, knowing that it'll spark some discussion that might turn in a, in a weird direction. So I kind of can like mitigate it by like, I don't know, just managing my expectations. Um, but yeah, like I had an instance recently. Uh, most often people come for like my experience and kind of in initially um, dabbing it, you know, you don't know what you're doing because I have, I do have kind of this affect that's like very casual and very flippant sometimes. Um, and without the nuance of like actually having a conversation with me and knowing who I am, you could, you could think that I am inexperienced if you're just like a, like a passerby on the internet. And so people will come for me and say, you know, you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know what you're getting into. You're gonna, you're gonna rile up all the demons and uh, you know, what are you doing? It's, it, it's disrespectful, all that stuff. And I, um, I often don't interact with them, but I did recently uh, reply to somebody just cause I was like, you know, I want to assert like my professional, like, my professional background, I guess. I don't want to say not authority because I am not by any means a person of authority, but I want to like assert myself and be like, I, I do have quite a bit of experience underneath my belt and I am always um, taking precaution and always doing things respectfully um, and following my own moral compass. So yeah, it, it happens, but I'm grateful that it doesn't happen as bad as it does to some other people with much larger platforms. Uh, and it's something I think about a lot. If I were to grow um, and get more followers, it's something I, I will inevitably have to deal with, and I'll just have to cross that bridge when I come to it. Well, I mean, the last time that we had you on the program, you were part of a panel of you know women that are in the paranormal, and 
we talked about it then, but it's it's still no better now that a lot of the times these comments come about from men who just feel like they know more than the women that are in, in this field and that the women can't be on par with them. And it's, it's something that's still pervasive. You know, you wouldn't think in 2023 that'd be the case, but, but it certainly is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it still is. And I know that um, the community uh, over on the East coast definitely, I think um, is dealt a heavier hand with that stuff. Um, just because it's not, there's just not as many people over here, but um, but yeah, it's still there is still this attitude of like um, that men largely take take that role of authority in the in the paranormal, and I'm constantly trying to um, fight against that to the best of my ability. And, and I will apologize once again for lumping. At one point, I referred to them all as the. I said there's a lot of spooky girls, and they're all named Amanda. And. <laughs> <laughs> I get that a lot. You know what? You don't even say no more. It's okay. I get that a lot. I, I, I'd be lying to you if I said I hadn't thought about changing my name. <laughs> I was like, what? could I go by Mandy? And then I was like, no, I absolutely do not seem like a Mandy. And I'm like, well, I guess it's pretty effing spooky for life. Then I'll just go by my handle. But there are a lot of Amanda. I think I know like five who are all like very much doing similar things. So <laughs> there's a lot of Amandas here. And, you know, I, I took the time to get to know a, a few of the Amandas and to, to pay attention to the work they were doing and just instantly felt guilty that I made that comment offhand one time. I was like, no, no, these are all good people. Like, shouldn't, shouldn't lump them all in like that. But certainly, every and, and you all are doing great work, but just all do it in a different way. Um, but I can tell you, you know, it's just, it's a generational thing. It was a popular name for people in your age bracket. There was a lot of, a lot of the women my age were all named Jennifer. We had like five Jennifers in every class. So you can't help it. You can't help it if you had a name that was popular, popular when you were born. So Yeah, I need to get like a doctorate or something, and then I'll make you call me Dr. Paulson or something. I'll call you that anyway if you want. Yeah, let's just let's really rile them up. I mean, <laughs> par paranormal doctorates aren't really worth anything anyway. People who have doctorates in paranormal studies, and you know, there's there's people who just call themselves doctor all the time on this. I'm not talking about yeah. the ones that are actual real doctoral programs. There are some of those, but how many of the people that call themselves doctor in this field are actually really doctors? I know. I have to say, I I have like intrusive thoughts daily that are like. Just go get a certificate in demonology. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, we have Be these wild. doctorates of theology that, you know, not even from a real seminary, well, but, you know. I, I don't know about you, Moniz, but I have well, actually. I deal with actual doctors all the time. Well, no, I know. But uh, that's in the institution where you live. Yeah. But the, um, <laughs> the uh, by but the I'm way. I'm feeling much better now. I take a lot of shots at Moniz. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just part of our shtick. <laughs> but, um. I've actually been a certified paranormal investigator since the 80s. I don't know that I ever told you that I'm actually no. a certified. Yeah, no, I have a certificate and everything. Because, wow. yeah, when, when I was in elementary school, the Scholastic Book Fair would come <laughs> and they had a Ghostbusters book. And in the Ghostbusters book, there was a little certificate that you filled out at the back of the book that made you an official Ghostbuster. Yes. So oh. I've been I've been a certified parapsychologist since, since probably about 1987. Oh. I love that. I'm just going to make pretty essence spooky paranormal certificates and, <laughs> and just start handing them out and then everyone's certified. Certified no, pretty essence charge spooky. for them, just like other people do in the paranormal. That's if we're going to get into... 500 bucks a piece. <laughs> well, there there are places or, or that have done stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, come take our, you know, and they charge you 500 bucks to sit and, you know. You know. But there's a lot of them in England. 
I've yes. noticed. Yes, yes. Now, yeah, you were... there is a lot of that in England, actually. I have noticed that. <laughs> well, um, you were talking about, you know, uh, offending people by doing this. Uh, uh, some a quote by uh, Jordan B. Pe- uh, Peterson. In order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. Okay, basically what it's saying is if you're going to think and think for yourself and do do stuff like that, you're going to say stuff that goes against other people's paradigms and you got to be able to be okay with that. Yeah, I've never heard that before, but I yeah. like that a lot. Well, it, it, it's true. And Winston Churchill said something along, along the similar lines, although it was probably more bourbon soaked, but same idea. So, uh, you know, bourbon soaked is probably how we are doing the show tonight. But the um, and it's quite tasty, by the way. I, I do have to, uh, you know, transition from that though. You know, we're talking about whether or not it's ethical to to have some of these courses. I want to get into the ethics of the paranormal because, you know, that part of what you had recently butted heads with somebody over is the idea of what it is that you're dealing with who it is that you're dealing with. And I think that that's something that has come up quite a bit lately. The idea that we are, it, it, it's not profiting because we're, we're not doing this for money. Although, you know, we find ways, some of us find ways to, to make a little money off of this for the time that we spend and the investment that we make into it. But people look at it and say that we, some people look at this and say we're exploiting tragedy. And they say, you know, if you go and you make a video where you're looking for ghosts in a hotel where somebody supposedly died. How is that any different than say a Steve Huff who's out there faking evidence to try to get some YouTube hits and, and yeah, yeah, I said that Steve, if you're listening, yeah, come on the show and, and challenge me on it. But anyway, you know, so I'll referee. <laughs> there won't, there won't be a referee in that. We'll just, there won't, we won't need one cage match. Ooh. Yeah. So the, <laughs> but the, um, Th- that is a question that people have is like, is it, is it, is what we do just ethically appropriate? Is there a way to make sure that it is ethically appropriate? It seems like you do that. Oh, yeah. Um, that, uh, yeah, I try. <laughs> like, I, I think I, I think I manage that by, um, again, approaching it from the, from a standpoint that's like looking at how the living is perceiving the paranormal and looking at what that means for us is, I don't know, versus like, I mean, I do kind of have a little bit of an ethical issue with um, playing God, so to speak. Um, And I don't talk about it too much because I also don't really want to yuck anyone's yum or whatever. Like, I don't want to like ruin anyone's day, um, but I'm not telling spirits where to go. I'm not I'm not trying to, like, make anything happen because I don't feel like I'm in a place to do that. I don't feel like that's fair. If there is an intelligent spirit or soul somewhere, um, I'm not going to tell them what to do. That's not my place. Um, but, uh, and there is some ethical issues with, like, the, tr- the crime element of it because there's always this, like, really tragic story behind some of these famous ghost stories, um, either that or, like, mental illness or something, you know, and, and those need to be approached very positively um and for the most part i just kind of try my best to stay away from from that part of it um which maybe i could do better in the future about because like i feel like i need to uh, maybe approach it head on more often but yeah i i just am always trying to look at like if i go on a ghost hunt say it's me and it's you and we're ghost hunting somewhere 
uh, where a terrible tragedy happened, and there's a, a woman in white who now floats around the halls. I'm approaching the investigation more from the place of how is how I wonder how Tim and I are affected by this. I wonder why if the, if the activity is happening, why is it happening like this for us? Why are we perceiving it like this? What does that mean for us? How can we how can we come out of this better people? What can we do to like make this experience valuable or or whatever? Like what's what's Tim thinking about? You know, like I, I'm looking at it from a more humanistic standpoint versus like focusing on the tragedy of of the, the spirit present itself. Well, and I'm, I'm exactly the same way because to me, first of all, we're making a huge assumption that what we're dealing with is the spirit of that tragedy, uh, that it is associated with that tragedy and that it, it could be something completely different. It could be something that is just taking advantage of our, our desire to look into that tragedy and, and pretending to be associated with it. So we're making a lot of assumptions about something that we don't even know. And then people are, attacking your moral compass over it all right somebody explained to me that uh what we were what we were doing is you know tormenting the turmoil you know the you're you're going in there and you're making them say dance monkey yeah but that's also that's also assuming that that they're not but i'm saying that's somebody else's point of view and i can't say that they're necessarily wrong you know, uh, one person, uh, because they flipped it around on me, it's like, how do you think they feel on the other side with you com- coming in and continuously poking? But that's also making the assumption that right. they're somehow trapped here. I agree. Which I don't, I, you know, and Amanda, you mentioned, you know, you didn't want to to uh, to dump on anybody that, that tries to help spirits move on. And I don't want to either because I think the people that do that have good intentions as to why they want to do it. They're trying to help. But at the same time, I also think if these are, like you said, if this is an intelligence that has free will, then, you know, if you're telling them, oh, we're here to move you on, what they're really going to do is they're going to take the hint and say, okay, I guess these people don't want me to talk to them. So I'll just stay quiet for the next hundred years until they're gone. And, you know, and then you can just bother the next people that move in. So I think it's just our own ego to make us think that somehow we could have influence over something that we don't even understand. You know, that's just, mic drop. <laughs> just, just yeah. how I feel. And I, I said that somebody asked me that question in one of my library lectures last month. And I said that in front of somebody who was like, oh, I help spirits move on. And I was like, well, that's, that's good. I'm, I'm glad that you feel that you do. I just, I disagree. And then she left and I was like, well, okay, that's, that's fine. Yeah. I understand. Um, I think yeah. we have a call on the line. Do you want to take a call? Let, let's see. And if you have trouble hearing them, just let me know and I'll uh, I'll repeat any question that they have. Oh, let me make sure. Hold on that I lock you in. There we go. Okay. Good evening. You're on Spooky South Coast with Amanda Paulson. Hello. What's shaking play, boys? Was that Amanda with the dark hair, Amanda? Not the, not the, the no, not, not Amanda Millette. Different Amanda. And it's not, it's, and it's not my, the Amanda that I like from, from, um, from uh, Lizzie's house. No, no, Is that's, that no, not that, not that Amanda. Different Amanda. Lots of Amandas. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not Amanda what? Spookies. I'm not Amanda New England. <laughs> I'm Amanda Pretty as a Spooky. <laughs> How would you like to be the Amanda that's going with me to see Bruno Mars on New Year's Eve? <laughs> would you like to be that Amanda? <laughs> what was that? You, he wants to take you would to you see like Bruno to... Mars on New Year's Eve. He doesn't even know who you are, Amanda, and he's willing to take you uh, to see Bruno Mars on. New... This is Lamone in Las Vegas. He's uh he's one of our loyal listeners. Hi, Lamone in Las Vegas. 
Hello, I, Amanda. I How are you doing, darling? <laughs> I'm good. You like I'm Bruno good. Mars? Yeah. You like Bruno no, Mars? I don't. <laughs> that was the right answer. That was the right answer. <laughs> well, do you like you like Ariel Speedwagon? I like. Take it on the run. So uh, tomorrow's my birthday, <laughs> and uh, I'm, oh. I've got tickets to go see them here. They're going to be here until the 13th. They're going to be, uh, they're like commemorating their 40th anniversary of the High Fidelity album. I think you'd like to go there. We can enjoy to see that with me. Tomorrow's your birthday? That'd be nice. Yes, it is. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you very much. I like hugs. You can, you can give me hugs. All right, this is, this is getting kind of creepy, Lamont. Uh, by the I way, thank you. Ario Speedwagon. I know High Fidelity is a great album, but also they also have that album, You Can't Tune a Fish. But you can tune a piano, yeah, right? You can tune so, a piano, you, but you can't tune. Yeah, a that's fish. it. I got, yeah. I got it backward. Yeah. All right, Lamone, do you Marcus, have a, do you have, do you have a question besides trying to make Amanda uncomfortable? Oh, I, I think Amanda felt pretty good. She was like, "Oh, he's," he, and I'm very cuddle, cuddly too. So just think of me as like a big body pillow. Throwing it out. You don't, you don't have yeah. to take this, Amanda. Okay. Okay. Oh, Amanda, just smack me when you see me. Not too hard, no. Okay, so like I'm saying, um, let's get back to the paranormal. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have a question, yes. Lamont? If yeah. Not, before if, safe words get involved, because we're short on time. So, do you have a question for things. Amanda? Well, well, I'm expecting, uh, I'm expecting uh, a, a film sent to me, a bootleg copy of the Iron Cross being sent to me Monday. You know the Iron Claw movie? Mm-hmm. If you know it's the uh, Eric family. I won't have the, the the movie sent to me. We're gonna, we're gonna have it, yeah, a couple couple of weeks before it comes out, yeah. Yeah, so you going uh, I'll tell you how it is. I would let you watch it, but I don't know. I can't send it to you because you like you like. Hey, look at this, everybody! You everybody put you putting the business all out there in the streets. Everybody don't be moving all that. All right, That's okay. So you know that you know that chick I was you about. Uh, about the, we're, the, we're getting uh, way off topic here, Lamone. I'm, I'm going to have to I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to let you go with, so I'm we can get back to the conversation with Amanda. I'll, it's my birthday tomorrow. I can't even give them. Are you going to then call in tomorrow? Yeah, call call tomorrow. We'll give you Sunday. all the time you want. But you know, but you know, I don't want to talk to everybody else. Are you going to be off all next week? Right? No, nope, I'll be here Monday. No, I'm just I'm just off Friday. I'll be here. I'll be here Monday through Thursday next week. You can call me then. Okay. All right, Lamar. Okay, have be cool. have okay, a good hey, birthday. Hey, Matt, hey, Matt. I got to say, brother, say hello to my brother, Matt. Hey, brother. What's up, Playboy? Have a good one and happy birthday. Thank you very much. All right. I was thinking. If, uh, oh, uh, all right. We oh, got to let uh, you go, Lamar. All right. Have a good night. Thank you for your, your extended, your your wonderful program this evening. Thank you. And have... Amanda, you sound, you sound wicked, girl. You sound exquisite. You keep doing what you got to do, Amanda. Don't do it by yourself, though. You really get kind of worried about a girl out there. Doing it by themselves. Even a guy going out there to these spooky places by themselves. I won't do it. I've done things like that similar to that. Uh-uh, forget that. All right. So always, always the black guy is always the first one. Okay, now you're taking it that way. All right. Have a, have a good night, Lamone. Happy night, birthday. Lamone. I got to let him go. Amanda, you just had the most paranormal experience you will ever have in your life. <laughs> that is. Uh... I don't know. So, Lamone, yeah. we, we inherited Lamone from the great Art Bell. So if Aww. if uh, if Art could handle them, we could we yeah. we can handle them too. But absolutely. So yeah, I love I love uh, I love radio. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, you never you never know what's going to happen. So the um, the idea of you know going back to the idea of having this approach of you're dealing with stories that aren't always our own. But like, you brought up a great point. The story itself might not be ours, but the experiences 
are. Yeah. The experiences that we have in pursuit of trying to find out about these stories are our own stories to tell. So has there been things that, and, and things that you've encountered and things that have come through? Um, because a lot of times you are doing these, you're doing these live. Have there been, been things that have happened where you said, gee, that might have actually been a little bit too much? To have, uh, to, to have put out there to the world. It might have been maybe too personal for you or too personal for the investigation. Oh, I really like this question. Um, I don't think I've ever been asked that. But as far as, like, an experience on live, no, funny enough. And I happen, I have some theories about that. I think when I'm live, there is, like, a little bit of a wall up between myself and the other side so that those personal experiences are kind of thwarted by like uh, this like being overly um, aware of like performing for people kind of but there have been experiences that I've had where I've been filming uh, thinking I'm going to share it um, uh, online and then haven't because it was too personal I do talk a lot about like some really crazy experiences I've taught on live, um, specifically like at the Lizzie Borden house. I was there alone and uh, was very, very scared and was seen online just being scared and not investigating at all. I just kind of experiencing that with the comfort of people watching. Um, but as far as like anything that's like too, like super personal to me, um, I've yet to experience something that like was crazy personal. Like I, I don't know if some people have like, I've never had like a psychic like bring up like anything from a past loved one or like had something come through in an investigation that I felt like was very personal to me. And I, I wonder why that is. I, I don't know, but, um, but I'd be open to having that. I'm very transparent. I don't know that there's too much off limits. Hey, the stuff I've kept offline has mostly just been emotional reactions that I, I am not quite comfortable with people seeing. Um, that vulnerability perhaps at that time, but yeah, maybe that, hopefully that answers your question. No, it, it doesn't. It makes me think about the fact that, you know, I always say, Hey, I'm an open book. I like it. You know, anything that anybody wants to bring up, I'm, I'm happy with just, you know, sharing it and then nothing ever does. So well, maybe it's because we are willing to let that happen that it's like, okay, we don't, we don't need to shock you with, with the stuff that can come. Well, through. that just yeah. shows her own humanity that, you know, you are human, you know? Yeah. We, we all have things that touch us a little too close that we feel uncomfortable sharing with the rest of the people because it affects us that deeply or yeah. that personally. I think, absolutely. And I think for me that kind of ends up looking like, like there is a hesitancy to share um, my personal fear. Like for other people, that vulnerability would be um, sadness or grief or like something, a, a personal fact about their life with being that I'm very transparent about about my life and my own personal history, I'd say that like um, the moments in which I felt the most fearful uh, have been ones that I have found myself like wanting to kind of keep away from the public eye, because, and which is weird because I, I talk about it openly, but I almost don't want people to take away um, the seriousness of that fear, like. I, for instance, I just recently, I was at a friend's house in North Carolina. She lives in a very haunted, huge mansion. And I'm staying in this room and I'm watching TV at night and the lights are off. And I look over to the window, like I'm kind of falling in and out of sleep. And I look over the window and I could have sworn to you, I saw somebody standing right next to the window for a split second. And the second I saw it, I shut my eyes as tight as I could. And I just laid there completely still. 
and my heart, I could feel pounding out of my chest, and I was just so, so, so scared. And I, at the time, I was like, I mean, this was like a month ago. <laughs> so I was working through it in my head, and I'm like, why am I so scared? I do this all the time. Like, I do this for a living, you know? Like, what what is happening? I'm so ashamed of my fear. Um, and that was something I didn't, like, I didn't get up and make a video. I didn't talk about it later. I didn't write about it. Um, now I'm talking about it, but I spent a month. But, uh, but like, that fear is something that, like, is very impersonal to me because, um, you know, I think some people think, like, I shouldn't be afraid of anything because I have all these, like, philosophical thoughts about what it could and could not be. But it's, like, when it happens, it's still your body just has this um, reaction that you, you can't control and that uncontrollable emotion is is a vulnerable, scary thing to share online. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I have a presentation that I do about called it's, you know, it's okay to be afraid. And the re, I think the reason why some of this idea of you shouldn't be afraid, this is what you do, I think a lot of that comes from two places. One, it comes from, uh, you know, very early on in Ghost Hunters, Jason Haas said, you know, you can't be afraid when you're doing these cases because someone else called you in because they're afraid. You need to be the calming hand that that helps helps them realize it's okay. So I understand that point. The other part of it is people see something like Ghost Adventures and they see how over the top Zach is with his fear and some of these other shows that have kind of followed suit and they say, well, we don't want to be that. We don't want to be to that extreme. So people kind of go away from that. But what you're saying, that experience that you had, you need those every now and then to remind you of what that feeling is for people who don't go through it all the time. Like you, you never want this to become mundane because then if it becomes mundane, it stops being profound. It stops being something that is worth your time and, and, and your investment in the interest. If it just becomes everyday run of the mill stuff and you're like, Oh, ho-hum, another ghost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah beautifully put it, Exactly that. It, it is good to have those experiences sometimes. And as you were saying that and making the comparison of um, old influential media and like how how it's been shown to us how to react I realized too that maybe um, there's also an element too of like that I'm a woman and I'm trying to be a strong uh, fearless woman in, in a field dominated mostly by men and so when I do feel fear even though we have people like sex baggins out there like I'm well aware I, I inherently am like want to push it away and put it behind the scenes and I don't want people to see that because I'm supposed I'm like trying to project like this I don't know I'm trying to lift people up and try to help other women like not be as afraid but anyway that's that is much too deep. <laughs> well, no, you're right. And a lot of the people who are following you are probably looking to you to kind of show them that there there is a normalcy to some of this and that, you know, there there isn't the need to be afraid. So you do have kind of a little bit of a responsibility to, to the people who are watching to say, you know, this you can you can have these natural reactions. They're okay to have, but also don't be afraid of it. You know, don't kind of embrace it. You. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let them roll you. Although this this might scare you a little bit more. John in New Bedford just sent in an app chat message and he uh, referenced your line standing at the window and he says that was Lamone. <laughs> so, <laughs> which is even more scary than the paranormal. Oh, man. I'm going to have some funky dreams tonight. <laughs> we got to be careful. We just said his name once. If we say it two more times, yeah. he calls in again like Beetlejuice. So. <laughs> Well, oh, we, we only have about a minute left, Amanda. Can you tell everybody how they can follow you and uh, and how they can be part of all of your adventures? 
Absolutely. You can follow me at Pretty FN Spooky on all social media platforms. That's Pretty FN, not the real words, just FN Spooky. And I'm PrettyFNSpooky.com as well. And you also have a, a channel on, on Instagram that people can watch too for some additional content as well. Yeah, I've got a little broadcast channel that Instagram's doing now. Um, I throw little little tidbits in there, little sneaky sneaky stuff <laughs> on the broadcast channel if you want to follow that. I'm also I I swear you could go to any social media platform and you could find pretty up and there and saying something weird. You can find me anywhere. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, hopefully you can get back out here to the East Coast soon and we can all hang out. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Backyard podcast, no fires this time around. <laughs> yes, that's okay. <laughs> all right, uh, you have a great one. That is Amanda Paulson, pretty and spooky. Follow her on everything, and that'll do it for us for tonight. Uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another new edition of the program. If you missed this or any part of it, just wherever you get your podcast. Stay spooktacular.